Welcome to the Connect to Marriage podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Does love follow a timeline? With some couples marrying later in life, what challenges and opportunities may arise? Hello and welcome to the Connect to Marriage podcast. I'm Jo and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Connect to podcast, we'll be tackling questions that couples ask about marriage, communication, conflict, life goals, and so much more. We hope you'll keep tuning in to learn with us as you grow closer, deeper, and stronger in your marriage. Now, today we are exploring the topic of getting married later in life. Ooh, we seldom talk about this. <laughs> we always assume that people who get married, they get married at the typical age. Well, in Singapore, that would be at age uh, 30 for grooms and 29 for brides. Uh, well, at least that was um, two years ago. And we know that this number gradually increases over the years. And uh, today, we're actually very privileged to have with us Gregory and Patricia to share their own personal journey with us. Gregory is a lawyer and Pat is a seasoned marriage counsellor and uh, they are really passionate about uh, helping couples to thrive in their marriage and that's why they also are involved in a marriage ministry or work called Marriage Builders which uh, I'll get them to explain as we go along in today's conversation. So welcome to the Connect 2 podcast, Greg and Pat. Hi, Joan. Thanks for having us. Hi, Joan. It's very, very nice to be here. Yes, and today, I think many listeners will be quite excited to hear what we're going to talk about. Sometimes uh, the only thing we associate late marriage with is maybe the Hollywood movie, I think it was some, some years ago, the 40-year-old mm. virgin. Or then usually for the women, it's terrible, right? Because they start calling us names when we don't get married. And then there's a lot of pressure in Singapore, um, pressure from government as well, <laughs> to quick, quick get married, start a family, have many kids because we have a fertility crisis. This, uh, on hand. But we're going to just have you guys uh, share your love story and how you finally came to tie the knot. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very interesting journey for us having to say that we get married in our mid-40s and this is our 10th of our marriage. Okay, so which means that at 10 years ago when you got married in your mid-40s, actually that would have been rarer than today, right? I would think so. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes. I think you, you sort of summed it up well that something that, that's a bit more unusual. I think for us, you know, we were quite fulfilled singles, each focused on our work, mm -hmm. on our ministries, and even in terms of our lives, mm. um, our circle of friends, contented, connected, and very much waiting for the right person at the right time. It, it may have taken a little bit longer, but I think in a way, maybe we'd like to believe that it's a divine hand at work that mm. sort of connected mm. you to the one person mm. that you were meant to marry. Right. And mm. so that's the experience for us in a nutshell. <laughs> I guess some people would be really waiting, maybe anxiously mm. waiting. Was that your experience or was it something that, you know, you weren't even thinking about it until much later in life? Many of us, if mm. I could say, uh, in our early 20s or in our 20s, right, we actually thought of, um, even for myself, I thought that I would naturally meet my Mr. Right, mm. right? It would come naturally and then I'll get married. But I think it doesn't apply for all, at least for me. In my past two relationships in my 20s, it didn't end up in marriage. Mm. And of course, uh, I experienced disappointment, mm. you know, and also the emotional roller coasters. Mm. And of course, that made me decide <laughs> at the time to be disengaged 
with mm. the idea of getting married or even to disengage from wanting to be emotionally engaged with someone, mm. uh, fear of going through the emotional roller coaster mm. again. So then that was a very intentional decision for myself that I want to be single. Oh, uh, even at okay. the age of late 20s. Right. So actually yeah. when you were met, it wasn't that you were actively seeking nor patiently waiting. No, not for me. And, and likewise, yeah. there's a <laughs> symmetry about my own journey. I mean, I was in two prior relationships and I think in my 20s and right into the 30s as well, there probably was a very strong perfectionistic streak in the sense of just having one relationship and uh, that relationship leads you down the altar and, you know, oh, everyone yeah. lives happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But maybe there was a process where this strong perfectionistic streak needed to be molded, needed to be, <laughs> you know, kind of remade, uh, broken. And for me, I, as a Christian, I, I, I believe God was behind that. Uh, to do some of that shaping and that influencing, mm. so that by the time I was um, in my 40s, it was really a place of surrender in the sense of if um, I was meant to be single, then needed to have that grace to deal with loneliness mm. uh, all the way mm. through to you know your older age. But if you're meant to be married, then mm. you need to have a very clear signal from the top who <laughs> the right person <laughs> yeah. was. Right. And I believe that over the decades from the 20s right through to the, the 40s, I believe God was busy mm. preparing me to be mm. the right person to the right person. If that makes sense. <laughs> and, and although some people may say that it looks like your options are getting less and less, you know, mm. grab whoever's left. Mm. You know? <laughs> but of course, the journey will be different for men and women. But I did feel that actually in a very interesting way, uh, it's not that your options are getting less, but actually God is narrowing your path to meet the right person mm, it's like at the right time. It's like more refined criteria, mm -hmm. but yet less perfectionistic. Yes. And, <laughs> That's and, a very interesting yeah. <laughs> state or criteria. And, and it's paradoxical, but it's the moulding and maybe maturing, maybe mm. mellowing perhaps also right. of temperaments. And that's why, interestingly enough, I think even though, of course, some people would say that the older that you are the more set you are in your ways and it's much mm -hmm, harder mm -hmm. to adapt yeah. uh, you know or to be you know very nimble like you have to give up more things right that you already been used to for like the past I mean 20 years since you last actively looked for a life partner and then now you've got to change your ways to accommodate somebody else in your life exactly and some people will find that a tough proposition or perhaps even a very difficult negotiable but mm -hmm. I think we both found in the cause of marriage and certainly even pre-marriage, that we didn't have too much difficulty in making mm. space okay. uh, and in making time for each other and mm. in accommodating and right, adapting right, to each other. Right. And so maybe part of that was the preparation phase in the time frame that, uh, you know, it took for <laughs> us to reach that stage of marriage. Right. Yes, that, right. that is really quite an amazing journey for, for us because um, even for myself, how I was being prepared for this marriage, which mm. I didn't expect that it would come because I was all ready to be single. My mom thought that I would, you know, I wouldn't get married. <laughs> so in my waiting phase, the period mm. of waiting, I mean, not that I was waiting, but somehow in that phase that I, I shut myself, just, right? right? I felt that 
by focusing on my career, focusing on serving children ministry, actually I was developing in the area of my characters as well as also in mm. maturity. I think the turning point for me in my life stage was actually in my early 40s when my sister passed on. During that journey, it was really learning to be still. To be still because okay. I think in our society, actually we are pretty busy. Mm-hmm. with mm. work, with mm. things around us, with our responsibility to parents and to people around us. So learning to be still is really not doing anything. And that was a process for me because mm. it's not easy for me to learn to be still. So was it in this like uh, faith encounter that mm. you kind of started to change your mind about uh, being against the marriage? Not intentionally. I think that was the start of the phase where maybe I could say God is preparing me for something that He has installed for me lah, in every aspect. In terms of my own desire, the way I perceive things or the mm. way I mm. want things to be like before God and whatever that comes, it will be a privilege lah. Actually, we knew each other since early 20s, but somehow he reappeared in my life again. Okay. Yeah, we, we were friends for 20 over years. We somehow reconnect again. Right. Uh, reconnected uh, in okay. our early 40s. And uh, that's where God started to speak in my heart okay. that to pray for this man. And, and I have to learn to wait because for me, I believe that to wait for the man to... Uh, bring up the topic, right? Make the first move. Yeah, make the make first move. Make the first move. Okay. I wanted to ask this before we talk about how the spark started. Mm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Greg, you mentioned that as people grow older, then we feel that there's fewer fish in the pond. They've all been taken up. <laughs> the good ones especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most of the times, we probably feel that the woman pet, right, has mm-hmm. it a little bit more difficult would you say that actually, even though, I mean, I know you shared about how you kind of determined to stay single and enjoy mm. your singlehood, yes. but it was a little bit more because of disappointment with prior relationships. And as mm. you went through this faith encounter and became to be, began to be more open towards like, you know, even having a relationship again, mm. would you say that that desire comes with that anxiety that maybe even fewer fish in the pond? <laughs> Uh, no, actually, it was very clear that Greg is the one. Then at that time, it's really wonder where, right? Because my I, I shut my heart for so long, right? Uh, wanting to to re-engage emotionally with an opposite agenda, hmm. but when after reconnecting with Greg uh, and also walking through that journey, starting to have this right. little spark right. to, towards this okay. man. <laughs> so you knew he was the one, but he took a while? How, I mean, how long did oh. you take, Greg, before uh, you realised that you were the one? Marriage is one of the most rewarding things in life. Yet, navigating marriage as newlyweds or an engaged couple can sometimes get overwhelming. Whether it's managing expectations of the in-laws, getting a good grasp of your family finances, or establishing good habits of communication and healthy conflict. Focus on the Family Singapore's Marriage Preparation Program aims to help you build a solid foundation in the early years and prepare you for the adventure of your life. Visit family.org.sg slash C2 Marriage Prep for more information today. We knew 
each other in our 20s. I made the point about the right person to the right person. Mm. And that's true because you actually have a friend, but the process of time and the experiences of life, the maturing journey, which includes also the, the, the sort of faith encounters, prepare you, enable you both to be the right person to mm. each other. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, therefore, that you must wait till your 50s, 60s, <laughs> 70s, and that's the gold standard. Because I think part of the journey as well for many, many people, right. and we acknowledge ours is probably in the more unusual category, mm. but the, the journey for many people is that, you know, you, you grow together and you have that grace to grow together and you give mm. each other the space mm. and the time to develop as best you can. You were in touch during those 20 years when you were friends. On and off. Were you? Okay. On and off. I think at uh, various junctures, but we could sort of like pick up the conversation from where we left off as right. friends. We were right. volunteers in a charity, helped to found it, the charity for children with cancer. And so over the years, there was still this connection. And then we reconnected more intentionally after Pat's family experienced that tragedy right. that she mentioned right. and then had the privilege to reconnect after that setting. As I shared also, it was very much a kind of surrendered outlook where if I was meant to be single, then that's fine if that's the story. I was also a speaker in some single seminars. Uh, so it was like, that's to prove that it wasn't just rhetoric. It was really real. You know, right. I was you know in that setting, speaking right. to singles, including on, you know, uh, self-control before marriage. And I think like Pat, I also heard and sensed very strongly, uh, and it was probably, at least to my estimation, a divine sense right. that she was the right person. Mm. So in a very unusual way, it was something that probably, unlike many, many journeys, and I'm not going to say that this is the only way or the right way or the, <laughs> the proper yeah, way, yeah. but it started in a sense spiritually. Like we mm. both had a spiritual sense that mm. we were meant to be mm. um, the ones for each other, and then it ended up in an emotional connection right. and then of course after marriage it's a physical connection so that was the journey kind of like spiritual and oh, then uh, emotional uh, and then uh, actually physical that was already the friendship that has been there all along the That's past been 20 there. years all along but it's you just never there. saw each other as the potential life partner until... i think we needed new lenses yes. <laughs> and some of those lenses come with age you know, like real life yeah. but part of it was also unusual because you know like i think some singles will basically feel incomplete Without right. your significant other yeah. or like your uh, potential life partner. And it's like, that's my priority. I need to get married first oh, and oh. then I will feel fulfilled and I'll feel yeah. that I yeah. can be right. the, the best version of myself. But I think the, the beauty is that I think we were both very, very fulfilled singles. If you look at pictures of Pat, even in her single days, you will see the joy. You will see the peace and the fact that, I mean, she was caregiver to her sister's daughter, and yet she was just so radiant. And it's because I think of a deep sense of contentment right. and she wouldn't be rested out of it unless she knew mm -hmm. there was actually right. a kind of special person that God had, right. had sort of prepared for her. And, and likewise for me. And so we were both in a sense in the Marriage Builders Alliance, here's the irony, right? Two mm. singles in Marriage Builders Alliance. Oh, so you helping were in the, this marriage ministry or outfit even before you were married? Even mm. before we were married. So that's oh. the irony because a, a lot of singles may stare out of it and say, look, it's nothing to do with me. Why am right. I helping other people right. to get married right. when I'm not married right. myself, yeah. right? It yeah. doesn't yeah. make Why? sense. It doesn't compute. But mm. um, we were involved in that and helping to also build marriages of others. And so that oh. was the extent and maybe even the peace, just the deep assurance mm. that mm. in God's time, he'll make all things beautiful. But if part of that beauty was to remain single, that's perfectly fine. And so then the sparks happened 
after the clear sense that she was the one. <laughs> Okay, and then one thing led to another. And half years after she got her indication. The men don't usually get it. I think that the ladies get it faster, the ladies get it sharper, and the men have to be knocked on the head perhaps sometimes, you know. No, I'm just half joking. But there is some truth in that. I think maybe right. in some cases uh, there needs to be that time frame when you mm. realize and have an epiphany. So it sounds like, you know, the benefit really of like marrying later in life is that you have two individuals who are coming into the relationship and starting off really on very good footing. And two individuals who, like you said, are already self-confident. They're not looking for somebody else to complete them. And that's probably, I guess, they will contribute, I guess, to a healthier (laughs) relationship and healthier interactions because you don't feel so insecure uh, or you don't feel, I don't know, so easily provoked, I guess. So one is a whole number. And we tend to forget that. But, you know, the power when two who are secure, and I think as you as you captured it brilliantly, uh, we can actually have a multiplying effect uh, on each other because we're not yes. looking to be completed or to fulfill our needs from each other. And of course, we recognize that we are there to fulfill each other's needs. But the point is really that from right. the point of view of our own lens, there is that security, that stability, and that ability also to have a multiplying effect on each other and to maybe even be... A catalyst to the dreams and the destiny of each other oh, and mm-hmm. to marriage, that's right. also possible where we are each other's cheerleaders and champions. Right. It seems that you also had the advantage because you were already sharing some common goals and interests and passions. If you could share, like, what are some of the downsides of marrying later and how do you overcome it? I know this is an audio podcast, so our listeners can't actually tell, but Pat is actually Chinese. Yes. <laughs> and Greg is Indian. <laughs> so, yes. I don't know, the cross-cultural mm-hmm. challenges mm-hmm. as well and expectations from different mm-hmm. cultures of marrying late plus marrying across mm-hmm. cultures. Yeah, I think because I come from a traditional mm. Chinese family, so never we talk about or think about marrying cross-culturally. Mm. If thrown back to time, if it is in my 20s, I don't think it would be something that I could embrace because it's like very stereotype. Uh, mm. A Chinese must marry a Chinese. Mm. So then I think later in part, frankly, I don't look at Greg as he is an Indian. Mm. He's really just a man who got as brought him into my life. But there is also something that I observed Mm. when I told my mom Mm. that Greg is going to visit us. Uh, So my mom made a statement. So Greg is like so-and-so and and -and so-and-so is a friend of mine who is an Indian. And that statement struck me because to my Mm. mom, it means an Indian does make a difference difference. uh, through her lens but because my friend so-and-so has a very good rapport with my Mm -hmm. mum sort of already helped her to open up her ideas of having a different race so I thought that was something that I'm very thankful. My mm. parents love Greg and embraced his, mm. you know, who he is very well. For myself, thank God, you know, that uh, despite of us of different culture, but I think mm. because of our same faith, that actually draw us together. Right. Yeah, I think Pat has hit the right nails on the head because I think the common faith was the bond, the strong glue that bonded us together, right. united us and gave us the foundation or the bedrock that enabled us build the courtship and the marriage. And I use the word courtship because at the time we sensed that um, God may be bringing us both Mm -hmm. to each other. Then before the courtship started, I had learned some lessons about courtship and I asked permission from her dad, mind you, when she was in her mid-40s, but asked permission from her dad to court her. 
And I said, if you say no, it stops right here. And that, of course, involves risk because the father may well say, nope, you know, (laughs) and that's the end of the matter. That's hard, it's tough, but, you know, um, we had the blessings right at the onset. Uh Um, And Mm -hmm. I think really to add on to what Pat said as well, I think looking back in this last 10 years of marriage, and even in the pre-marriage courtship phase, never felt, uh, and it's really by, again, grace, Mm. uh, never felt that um, the race issue ever created a wedge Mm. between the two Mm. of us and acknowledge each one is going to have their own unique journey. I I do believe love is colorblind in that (laughs) sense. We had glorious opportunities to celebrate each other's Mm. culture, each other's yeah. heritage, traditions, yeah. whether it's Chinese New Year. Now it's doubly rich. <laughs> doubly rich is doubly rich. So it's not divided by two, right. it's actually right. multiplied by two. And just seeing that richness flow mm. into our lives, not being less than uh, ourselves, but actually seeing the enhancement and the multiplying effect. And so for that, I think we are quite thankful. That doesn't mean you expect everything to be rosy and comfortable. And, you know, right. it doesn't mean that we... Right haven't had to navigate some mm-hmm, of the issues mm-hmm. which come with every married couple right. and every married couple's own experience because it's, it's a minor miracle to right. see two people who are very different mm-hmm. from their heritage, mm-hmm. their tradition, it's, their personality, yeah. their love languages and so on. Just come together, stay mm-hmm. together, live together and journey together in the course right. of marriage. And for that, like every other couple, we have had mm-hmm. our own unique mm-hmm. journey. Maybe one last thing, marrying later in life also means that we may have to contend with like issues of self-control, for example, sexual self-control. Mm. But I suppose because both of you also mentioned that you had prior relationships. For someone out there who is a couple out there who's married later, does this mean they bring even more baggage into their new relationship? And maybe on the other hand, it's also, I guess for the woman, right, we're always mm. kind of worried about our biological clock. And if a person has desire, for example, to have children, like how how do you navigate such things? I think we did on the onset that talk about uh, whether we both desire to have children, mm. and I think we were open to talk about it. Mm. Uh, both of us sense that that's not our need. I think Greg is also aware of my age then the risk of having a child. Yeah. Personally, I also approach it in a way that whether he desires to have a child. Mm. So it was a very open conversation and on the very onset. And then Mm. we both (laughs) do have like-minded to know and very secured and contented that we are happy, not planned to have family planning. So to pick up on that, I think, yeah, the transparency is important. The open communication, the discussions Mm. in in a way that doesn't catch uh, either Mm. party uh, Mm. by surprise. And I think to put it in another way, it's really, if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't happen and fruitfulness comes in other ways, mm. and there can be other applications of that. Right. Uh, for instance, we have godparents uh, to mm. a few children and, mm. you know, we have other adults who are like children <laughs> <laughs> to us. And it shouldn't come from a place of fear. It's just mm. recognizing that there is a unique marriage Mm. story, a unique Mm. love story for each married Mm. couple. Mm. And for many, many married couples, we acknowledge that, yes, there will be the journey of being a parent, Mm. of being Mm. a parent to children. And and there's going to be a joy with that. There's going Mm. to be, of course, a lot of grace for that, strength for that. The kind of open, direct, honest conversations, critical part of the equation. But dialing back to the first part of what you said, I think it is true that there probably will be more baggage. And it's purely a function of time because you've lived more (laughs) of life. You live more of life if you've had 
prior relationships, there will be hurt, probably uh, wounds in your life mm. uh, that may mm. come from rejection. For right. example, if your girlfriend or boyfriend was the one who had broken up with you, mm. of course, right. you have to deal with that. Yeah. This is real. And there needs to be this journey of inner healing. Mm. And that's part of the preparation of being mm. the right person to the right mm. person. So you don't bring in mm. baggage from the mm. past or step on each mm. other's emotional mm. landmines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, and then, oh, wow, I set off yeah, something yeah. there, right? So I think that's very much the case. And then, mm. of course, I think maybe what you're alluding to is also the whole sexual part. And I think for that, of course, the ideal is to keep yourself pure, to keep yourself mm. self-controlled. But we're human. And I think, you know, that sometimes many of us will make our mistakes. Mm. And so there's a question then of how do you get um, healed from some of that and just do things in the right way and the honouring way. So it may surprise you, but even in our courtship, we, mm. we didn't hold hands. So we were okay. in premarital causes where, you know, younger couples are all holding hands and it's like, wow, <laughs> this old <laughs> fuddy daddies <laughs> obviously belong to the Victorian era and, you know, aren't even holding hands, you know. But that's just an example of what mm. we thought was the mm. standard that we wanted to live by. It's only after marriage that, you know, mm. physical mm. parts have come in. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting because, you know, I mean, both of you were not really thinking of actively at least about getting married and you had your own qualms, but it sounds like, you know, when you kind of saw each other in a different light as potential life partner, you had that. I think the word that keeps coming up is the contentment and the surrender to approach all these issues. And it, it sounds actually very mature, very very well thought through no unnecessary drama <laughs> yeah maybe even like does it sound fictional does it sound too good to be true you know are, the, uh, <laughs> are we making it up no but this is the real path but mm. the context of course is that you know we did make our mistakes you can say that right, in terms of right. our past relationships and the learning points that came from that mm. but the faith encounters the healing, mm. the preparation, and mm. ultimately, as you rightly put it, the contentment and surrender, which are the mm. themes that probably may reflect <laughs> our journey, I think was a significant part bringing us to the, the right footing. But I also think that having permission from Pat's father right at the onset to court mm -hmm. her was critical. Ah. Yeah, mm. because that blessing, that yeah. unconditional yes Right. was the green light. You felt accountable because mm -hmm. you're basically courting the daughter. You mm -hmm. feel accountable to the father. Mm -hmm. But that also means you have the protection because you know that the father has okayed, mm -hmm. okayed mm -hmm. the courtship. Mm -hmm. This gives our listeners actually many things to think about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite counterculture and probably not not often heard about. We will carry on this conversation on our next uh, podcast, but uh, in each episode, actually, we do address a frequently asked question that couples have about marriage. And uh, there is a question today uh, about, yeah, uh, someone who's not quite married yet, but hoping to get married soon. This person is in his or her 40s and does desire to settle down, but not sure how to meet potential partners without going for awkward blind dates. And uh, this person is in their 30s, already quite focused on hitting career goals, not really active in social life. Okay, what would you recommend? <laughs> I know you guys knew each other for a long time. Any tips? Of course, you want to try and have opportunities to socialize, attend social gatherings, community events, networking functions that, you know, kind of align with your own interests and passions right. because uh -huh. you could meet someone right, that has right. a has a common interest right. 
or passion. And in that setting, you, you know, you might find you you hit it off. Initial sparks <laughs> do do fly. Yeah, yeah. The other is, of course, to rely on um, your good friends, and there are many people who have uh, benefited from good friends and related to that. And even though this may sound quite old-fashioned and maybe Victorian era again, um, <laughs> even the parents can play a good role in um, uh-huh. matchmaking in that sense, or right. maybe even making suggestions. Right. Um, you don't have to be constrained by them, but you know, your parents know you best. Mm. So there's some good ideas that may come from parents who have seen you mm. grown up. <laughs> mm. There are also dating websites that are reputable or apps, and we wouldn't rule that out because there are also people who have benefited from that. Do your due diligence, Mm. Uh, ensure that it is reputable and it's not some kind of <laughs> love scam. You know, you're not um, kind of seduced mm. by what you see. Mm. And frankly, even for online uh, relationships, sometimes, you know, it is in-person dimensions right. that, right. you know, you really see the start or even mm. the complementary aspects of that relationship begin to take off. One is to be patient. Mm. Patience is key because if you're anxious, if you're very angsty about settling down <laughs> and you feel that the clock is ticking and, uh, you know, there is that anxiety, it will surface in the way that you relate to people mm. and you're subconsciously and even in a non-verbal way communicating that anxiety, mm. which could actually then be counterproductive right. because... Right then the person that is sitting down with you may feel pressured and may feel this person really the right person or are they pushy to achieve a certain goal. So that's number one. But the other is that you're never too old to get married. And I think mm. hopefully our journey, and uh, no doubt we're not in our 70s and mm. walking stick or something, <laughs> never too old, never too old to get married. And so that's the comfort that mm. if our story can inspire some who are still That's looking, waiting, one, that may be hopefully an encouragement mm. that uh, there is still someone out there, you know, sleepless mm. in Seattle, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for ladies who are actually desiring to find the Mr. Right, right, and going through, it's like the, the clock is ticking, ticking, continue to enjoy being single because mm. singlehood is really, it's a gift because mm. able mm. to embrace and th- this journey because you don't know once you step into marriage, it will be a, a different uh, role that mm. you play. Mm. So enjoy the time in the singlehood to continue to build yourselves mm. and in areas of in your characters, in building mm. your community support through building trust, mm. trusted friendship and also building areas of talents, the talents that mm. you have. Also, like what Greg said, be patient in this waiting yeah. period. And you know, for myself, it's really learning to be still, to wait. And mm. actually, a lot of times in the time of waiting, we find and discover ourselves to mm. know more of mm. ourselves. And know. Mm. So it is a beautiful journey. And it's never a short change because I truly believe that whether you are a single or you're married, mm. both are gifts and we can enjoy in either one. Thank you both so much for sharing your love story as well as your life story. I'm quite sure that our listeners out there be encouraged in some way. We have a couple challenge as usual at the end of our podcast. And today's couple challenge, you've heard both Greg and Pat share a lot about uh, contentment and in fact, I can feel how contented they are with life, uh, with themselves, with each other as well. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast with your spouse, would you just take a quick five minutes to share one thing about your marriage that you feel contented about with your spouse? 
All right, and if uh, you are not yet married but desire to meet uh, someone, perhaps take the next few minutes to think of you know who you can kind of share this with, so that you don't feel angsty about your journey and you can uh, have a trusted friend to walk alongside you. Well, we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. And if you are looking for more practical resources to grow your marriage, do visit our website at family.org.sg to browse our articles or check out even our upcoming marriage programs. We hope you follow and subscribe to our Connect2 podcast and do share this episode with a friend who may also benefit from it. So until next time, take care of yourself and your spouse.